church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Luke five seventeen, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I think I'll just stop right there. And we'll pick up in just a minute. And I want to bring a word to you this morning. I feel like God shared a word with me. And I want to bring it to you. What do you expect? What do you expect? Can we lift our hands right now and go to the Lord in prayer and just ask God to be with us, ask God's presence to be here and to speak to us in the way that he would want to speak. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for all that you have done. You've led us to this house, Lord. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to wake us up this morning, but you chose to wake us up, God, and give us one more chance Your mercy is new with the rising of the sun. You gave us one more opportunity, God, that we could come into your house and we could know you. We could experience you. God, we could be set free from bondage, from addiction, from chains in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now that your word would go forth, that it would be that it would be received on good ground. Lord, let your word be planted in good hearts, Lord Jesus. Help us to receive what you're trying to say. I bind doubt, I bind fear in the name of Jesus Christ, and I lose the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. Let your will be accomplished. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Only 1,428 hours and 16 minutes left. Only 60 more days left. Just hang on a little bit longer. You got two months, kids, you've got two months. Christmas is coming. Anybody like Christmas in here? I love Christmas. Well, it's my second favorite holiday after Thanksgiving. Time with family and friends. I have two friends who are extreme. They're they're 
their extreme opposites when it comes to having the Christmas spirit. One is jolly as old Saint Nick himself and one as cruel and mean as Scrooge himself. (laughs) One literally joyously talks about Christmas at least once a week. He posted on Facebook, in fact, 342 days till Christmas. Literally, this guy does this every week. He's excited about Christmas. And the other is just chomping at the bits for someone to say something, anything, about the holidays so that he can argue with them about paganism and traditions of men. You might have a friend or two like that. One can't wait to say Merry Christmas, and the other can't wait to say Merry Xmas, hoping that some poor soul will take the bait and vehemently and emphatically defend keeping Christ in Christmas. This is, this is a guy, he's an instigator. Any jolly folks in here excited about Christmas? I know we got some kids excited about Christmas. How about any Scrooges in here? You can be honest if you're a Scrooge. No Scrooges, that's good. (laughs) That's good. You can be saved this morning. (laughs) I would say that most of us probably land somewhere in the middle of those two, right? We're thankful for Christmas, but, you know, we're not posting on Facebook 337 days to go till Christmas. I enjoy Christmas. I love getting together with family and friends and and sharing the warmth and laughter and love. Anybody like to open gifts? I like to open gifts. I like to give gifts. And the older you get, the more you like to give. But I like to open gifts. I loved it when I was a kid. Christmas was absolutely my favorite when I was a kid. You never knew what was coming, but you knew it would be good. But I came to a place a few years ago where I began to dread Christmas. I just began to dread it. You've been there before. You know what I'm talking about. You unwrapped the gift with all the excitement, all the expectation, the anticipation. You're tearing through the wrapping paper. You're just, you're finding every piece of that scotch tape, that invisible stuff that just gets on your nerves. You think you got it open and there's one more piece. Oh, and then there's one more. All right, and you finally tear it open and you can't believe your eyes. It's everything that you never expected, (laughs) right? Then you quickly remember that people are watching you. (laughs) And if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that you were the proud owner of a golden globe, right? You know how to put on the best show, the best act. This is great. This is fantastic. This is awesome. So cool. I mean, I was, I was hoping for this. A few years ago, I told my family, look, no more gifts. No more gifts. How about we just all take a vacation together? Just a small two, three days. Just go somewhere and not exchange gifts. I have everything I'll ever need, right? I have too much stuff. I don't need any more stuff. Can we just all take a vacation so that we don't have to waste the week following Christmas? returning everything that was given to us, right? We don't have to waste time. We can just enjoy each other's company. That's what the holidays is about. Anyway, friends, family, love. It's not about gifts. 
Can anyone relate to that? Is it safe to say that sometimes you just don't get what you expected? And that's particularly brutal when you're a kid and you don't get what you expect. You get clothes or something. Sometimes you just don't get what you expected. Sometimes you're not even sure what you expected. But you know you didn't expect that. Wow, a fingernail set. That is amazing. That is awesome. I, I can't wait to use it. I, truth be told, sometimes you get an unexpected surprise. And that seems to be a little bit redundant, right? Unexpected surprise. But you know you're going to be surprised. You just don't know that the surprise is going to be that bad. So it's an unexpected surprise, not just a surprise. But then there are the unexpected good surprises, right? Maybe you open that gift and, wow, you really are amazed by the generosity. And there are other things too. Maybe your kids are acting right. Maybe they're acting well-behaved, and that's a miracle. That's a surprise, a pleasant surprise. Someone hands you a check out of the clear blue sky. Anybody ever handed you a check? Just said, I felt like I need to give this to you. Handed you some money, $5. A friend or a loved one calls you from out of the blue and just calls to give you an encouraging word. Or a brother or sister, they call you and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. That's a pleasant surprise, and that's nice. It makes us feel good. Someone says, lunch is on me. Now that's good, right? Hashtag winning. Lunch is on me. You find some cash in your coat pocket. Anybody ever found some cash? You didn't realize you left it there, and you pulled that out, and you said, oh, thank you, Jesus. You've been there? Or maybe your purse, ladies? There are all kinds of unexpected surprises, and I think that the Lord likes to surprise us, too. I was, I was fishing one day off the coast of Texas somewhere, Port Aransas or something like that. We went deep sea fishing, and I like that. And we, had, we were having a good time. And uh, all of a sudden, my, my line caught, and I thought I had a whale on the other side of that line. And I'm not kidding you. It took me a good hour to pull whatever this was, and I was so excited. And my friend saw me struggling, you know, with that thing and just back and forth. I thought for sure, man, this was a jackpot. I was going to be on National Geographic. <laughs> and so I'm reeling that thing in and finally I see that thing come to the top and it it was a good hour finally and I even had some people help me pull and as that thing was wearing me out whatever it was finally I see it come to the top and to my surprise and amazement it was a hammerhead shark a baby hammerhead shark it was about three foot long it was just a baby and God smiled on me that day. I really believe that was from God because I love sharks and I love hammerheads. They're my favorite. They're so ugly. They're so weird. <laughs> They're so weird. And, and I knew God smiled on me. As a matter of fact, the, the captain of the boat said, 
what is he doing here? This, he, he has to be lost. This is not the season for them, and he's swimming against the current. He has to be lost. And God smiled on me that day. I know God smiles on you the same way. Just gives you some unexpected surprises, right? And I was thrilled, and, and, and you wouldn't believe how those things feel. They feel like sandpaper. They look so smooth, but they feel like the grittiest, hardest sandpaper that you've ever touched. Just super cool. And I was able to carve my initials on his belly. And they say that it doesn't hurt him. You just carve them with a knife and throw them back in the ocean. So somewhere out there, Jay-Z is a, 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 a mama shark or something out there swimming now. <laughs> the real Jay-Z, right? <laughs> Unexpected surprises. They're good. They're good. And some are bad. But can I tell you, you you have to expect something. You can't just expect nothing. In the opening passage that I read, if they want to put it up again, Luke 5, 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Wow, that verse just strikes me. The religious leaders of the day sat by. And if you know the attitude of the religious leaders of that day, they sat by in a questioning attitude. They had a questioning spirit about them. They had doubts. They were there to antagonize, to see what loopholes they could find in Jesus' teaching and to try to dissuade his followers, trying to distract what Jesus was talking about. The religious leaders of the day sat staunch and dignified as Jesus was teaching. Ever known an arrogant person? <laughs> Me too. Can I tell you something? James chapter 4, verse 6. God resists the proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Can I tell you that God doesn't care what your name is? What your heritage is? How many degrees you might have? How much money in the bank you might have? How great of a person you think that you are? God doesn't care about that. If you are proud, you are the enemy of God. Plain and simple. God is not interested in your pedigree. He's not interested in my pedigree. He's not interested in how strong we are, how educated we are. If we can quote this whole Bible, God doesn't care about any of that. If you do not have humility, God is actively working against you. That word right there, resist the proud, means God is act. He's not just standing there with a shield in front of him. That word resist means he's actively working against you. He's warring against you. 
And honey, I don't want to be on your team. If God is actively working against you, you don't want to be on my team if God is working, warring against me, because I promise you we'll lose. Humility is the maintenance program of the soul. My good friends, mentors, Pastor Mike East, or Evangelist Mike East, you may know him. Some of you do. These Jewish leaders were experts in the law. They had their doctorate in the law of God. Go back and read it. It came to pass on a certain day he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. These guys were experts. They knew the law frontwards and backwards and could probably quote the entire thing. I mean, the, the, the schooling was rigid for these doctors of the law, these Pharisees. But they were just sitting by, not realizing that the power of God was present to heal them, the verse says. And that just struck me. They were sitting by, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Can I tell you that if you came to church expecting nothing, that is exactly what you will receive. You get what you put in. If you're sitting idly by, just wanting to see what happens, but you're not really interested in receiving anything from Almighty God today, and you're not really interested in giving anything to Almighty God today, if you came with an attitude that I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to see what happens, can I tell you, if you're not expecting anything, you're not going to get anything. Don't go to your bank tomorrow and say, hey, I need $2,000 withdrawal when you haven't gone and put any deposit in in three months, right? That's not the way that it works. In the same way, that's not the way that God works. We can't just come and sit idly by, oh, I'm just going to see how this goes, see if this thing is, is real, you know. I just want to check this out. I'm not making any commitments. And if God chooses to move, I'm not going to open my heart. I'm just going to sit here and just see what happens. And you'll leave the same way that you came. Jesus is in the house today. God is here. Do not make the mistake of sitting idly by please let this word speak to you i'm letting it speak to me too i'm talking to myself this morning too i don't want god to pass me by almighty god creator of heaven and earth doesn't have to be here for little old me and little old you but he chose to be here god chose to be here what a privilege what an honor We are so blessed to be in the presence of God. And as I said before, there are so many people out there don't know anything about the presence of God. There are people at home. There are people on drugs, on the streets. There are people in prison. Never heard the word of God. Never. Don't know that there's any hope. Think that this life is all there is. And sometimes we can so casually... I'm guilty of it too, I promise you. We can so casually just enter in the presence of God and, oh, God's here, God will be here, you know, whether I'm really here or not. 
God will be here. No, God forbid that we have that attitude. In the Old Testament, they went through strict procedures and laws. They had everything. God had everything designed and set up. He told Moses, you're going to build the table this way. You're going to make it this high, this wide. I mean, so many exact specifications as to how you're going to build the pieces of furniture of the tabernacle. Why? Because my way is perfect, God says. And you don't just treat me casually, but you do what I ask you to do. And when you do, I will bless you. But if you don't, I'm not going to bless you. And God, one thing that he will not do, God will not lie. God will not lie. And we're, we're guilty a lot of times of expecting God to lie. Think about that. God, you know, have your way. Do this. Do this in my life. I really need this in my life. And, and God's saying, well, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And, and if you don't do what I ask you to do, I, I can't pour out my blessings on you. Because if I do, then I'm a liar. And then I'm not the way, the truth, and the life. I'm nothing. I'm as good as any other human being. God is here. God is here. Don't make the mistake of being too cool or too arrogant or too proud, too educated. Oh, let me get there. Too rich, too haughty, too staunch, too strong, too stiff to receive the word of God today. Remember, humility Humility is the maintenance program of the soul. The power of God was in the room to heal the doctors of the law. But you know what their problem was? They didn't think they were sick. Perhaps you came to church today because your friend or your neighbor or your coworker invited you for the 16th time. And you said, all right, I'm finally going to make good on this promise. I'm finally coming to the house of God today. I'll go, I'll go. You came with the expectation that finally, after today, it feels good to get this monkey off my back. I just finally did it. Somebody just kept inviting me and wouldn't stop. Now I'm here. You may have come with that expectation today. But can I encourage you? to look past that for a moment if that's you look past that can I encourage you to humble yourself and rethink your position this morning can I encourage you to reconsider can I urge you to open your heart today in faith and expectation can you just turn your eyes upon Jesus just for a minute come on before we go any further can you do that with me maybe you can just close your eyes with me maybe you lift your hands up to heaven and say, God, forgive me for an attitude that's, of, that's so casual, that's, that's complacent, an attitude of, of apathy, God. Forgive me for an idle spirit of just coming and sitting in the presence of God, desiring your benefits but not wanting to really do what you say. God, forgive me for a proud and arrogant heart. Come on, can we pray Psalm 139 together? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. O God, help me, Lord. Amen. The Lord loves to hear your prayer.
The heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked, the Bible says. Who could know it? Man can't even know. We don't even know what's inside of here. There are times we think we're doing good. We think we're on the right track. We think everything's going fine. But we don't even know our own heart. And that's why the psalmist said, search me, O God. Know me and try me and see if there's any wickedness in me, God, because I don't want to be warring with you. I don't want a proud and haughty look, but I want to approach you in humility, God, and fall down on my knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. Would you forgive my heart, God? I'm nothing but a sinner. I'm nothing but a sinner. I've done nothing but offend you, God. Oh, we can't lose that. Humility, we can't lose that. Because God will be at war with you. My God. We have to expect a miracle. Verse 18 in the opening passage that we, that we read. And behold, men brought in a, a bed. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop. You know this story well. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Maybe you came to the house of God today because you are in need of a miracle. That could be you. Maybe you are really expecting something from God today. Maybe your family is in a crisis. Maybe somebody that you know is sick, very sick. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. Maybe your children have a need. Maybe you're addicted. You're addicted to drugs or cigarettes or alcohol or prescription drugs. Maybe you're addicted and you really have a need. You've got to, you, you need a miracle. You need God to touch you. And maybe you came with that expectation today that God can touch you. Perhaps you're blind or you're deaf or you're handicapped and you need a miracle. Can I tell you this morning that God cares and is concerned with every one of your needs Amen. There's nothing too big and there's nothing too small for God. Oh, God doesn't care about that. God cares about every single hair on your head and he's got them numbered. God cares about everything. Everything. But Lord, this is not quite what I expected. Verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. The crowd was, was all around Jesus. There was no space. It's like being scrunched up in that elevator, right? You think, man, there's about 20 more people on here than needs to be. And I'm smelling all kind of weird stuff, and I'm just going to, God, get me to that floor. And that's what they did to Jesus. They were all around him. There was no room, and nobody was giving up their space. I want to see Jesus. And these men had the faith. Can you imagine the faith? That's ah, somebody else's house. Not my house. It's okay. They'll, they'll fix it. My friend's in need. My friend needs a miracle. You got a friend or a family member who needs a miracle? You ever need, had somebody who needed a miracle and you just would do anything it took to make sure their need was met? 
That's the that's what kind of friends this guy had. It's good to have friends like that. Brothers and sisters in the house of God who can hold your hand. Oh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, Hebrews says. Amen. We need each other. We need each other. We can't we can't make we can't possibly make it without one another. We need each other. I I, I promise you you're not going to make it to heaven by yourself. Because that's not the way that God designed it. That's not the way that he ordained it. We need each other. And I know in the, in the 21st American uh, culture, the 21st century, mm, that doesn't sit right with me and you, right? We're independent. We can do it. We're fine. We don't need help. No, we need each other. We need the body. And the faith of these men that carry the paralyzed man to Jesus. Look at this. And when he, Jesus, when he saw their faith, verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. What? Now you want to talk about something that I'm not expecting. Jesus, what are you talking about? My sins are forgiven me. And you, you can probably picture it, these guys whispering to one another, what's he talking about? Jesus, are you blind? We brought this guy in. He's paralyzed. Why are you saying his sins are forgiven? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. We didn't. Maybe we just tore this roof off for nothing. Perhaps we just made a mess. And for the first time ever, Jesus Christ missed it. Maybe he just missed it. But that's not what was recorded in there. Maybe the friends had a few questions in their mind, but we didn't hear them voice it. But verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Remember the arrogant, the prideful, the scribes and the Pharisees. Who's this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what, or what reason ye in your hearts? What are you thinking about right now? Verse 23, whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. Which is easier? Verse 24, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I'll tell you what, it's unexpected what Jesus did. Can I tell you this morning that God cares so much God cares so much about the condition of your heart. Cares about the condition of your temporary, fleeting, and passing situation. God cares so much more about the condition of your soul than he cares about the condition of your mortal and your temporary body. He cares so much more about the state of your salvation then he cares about your seemingly impossible and pressing need. 
God wants to work a miracle for you today. There's no doubt about it. But it may not be the miracle that you were expecting. It may not be what you were expecting. He wants to work an even greater miracle in you than you have ever imagined the greatest miracle of all God so badly wants to tell you your sins are forgiven you're forgiven today God so badly wants to share with you your sins are forever washed away can I tell you that Christ did not perform miracles so that the physical need could be met but so that the spiritual need could be met that's why he did it he summed up his whole mission. Luke 4, 18, he quoted Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the gospel to the poor all those who are destitute of the comforts of this life, all those who are conscious, they're well aware that their sins and their shortcomings and their failures, they require a Savior. They need a Savior. Those who are poor in spirit, all those who are miserable and afflicted. Can I tell you, the proud don't think that way. And Jesus told him, I, I didn't come to, for, for those who were well. I came for those that were sick and that needed a physician. That's what Jesus told him. Because he hath anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel message to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to console those who are deeply afflicted or whose hearts are broken by external calamities or by a sense of their own sinfulness. Anybody ever violated your conscience? Yeah. We've done it a number of times. There is none that doeth good. No, not one, the Bible says. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives, to grant deliverance to those who are in prison and restore them to their families, to give them liberty, to give them hope. They're no longer a slave. They're, they're restored to freedom. And this is the manner that, that the gospel imparts. It imparts favor, grace. Grace is extended because of what Jesus Christ did. For me and for you, grace is extended. He's come to deliver the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Now, he literally fulfilled that in a few instances, opening the blind eyes, but he could not hold back his true purpose. <laughs> it's got a purer meaning than just opening blind eyes. It's those who are spiritually in darkness, who are groping around. As I said this morning, those out there who don't even know there is a God. Those who don't even know that's what Jesus came for. Those are the people that Jesus came to reach. And God called you. And God called me. And he picked us up out of that. Thank you, God, for rescuing me, God, from a pit that I was in so that I could tell somebody and I could share. That song says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our purpose is to be salt and light to the world. That's our purpose. 
God didn't pull you out for you, just you. Take care of your own little family, your own little selfish needs, live in your own little box, go live in a cave like a monk. No, God called you to be light and salt to this world. That's what God's called you to be. Hallelujah. To share what God has done for you. To set at liberty, finally, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Again, the brokenhearted, the contrite. It means those who are pressed down by great calamity or whose hearts are pressed or bruised by their own self-awareness of sin. To set them free at last. Has anybody been set free this morning? Do you remember when God set you free? Do you remember when you were at an altar and you, you, you didn't know anything about God, didn't know anything about truth, but somebody just said, hey, just lift your hands to God and say, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for being offensive, God. I'm sorry for making you frown. I'm sorry for making you sad, making you upset. And just like that, God forgave you and not only forgave you, but forgot everything that you were. And he started a brand new life for you, made you a new creature in Christ. Can you remember what God did? Thank you, Jesus. It was as if Jesus could not contain himself in this situation. Jesus couldn't contain himself any longer. Because of the great faith, he could not hold back his true purpose from this paralyzed man. He's not, he's not keeping it a secret anymore. He jumped the gun, you could say. Because of his friend's faith, Jesus cut right to the chase. He got right to the heart of the whole matter. He could not save the best for last, as he usually tried to do. I can just picture Jesus just giddy with excitement. Are you kidding me? They ripped the roof off because this man needed me? Are you kidding me? Those are the people I want to save. Those are the people I want to redeem. Those are the people. And Jesus, I can just picture him as a giddy kid. I just can't hold it back. And they lay him in front. He says, hey, because of your friend's faith, your sins are forgiven. Wait, what? Jesus, you skipped a few chapters. What are you doing? We don't. Back up a little bit. And so that's what Jesus did because the carnal mind couldn't understand what he was doing. And the Pharisees and even the doctors of the law, the well-educated, ah, it just looks like foolishness to God. Your education, my education, nothing to God. And so God had to back way up and said, okay, all right, I forgot. Let me just heal you of your paralyzed, of your your paralysis. Let me just heal you so that you can see I am God. Don't get it twisted. God's got the power to fix your situation because God's got the power to forgive you of every sin. That's why. That's why God's got the power to heal you and to fix you. It's don't get it the other way around. God's got the power to heal you because God has the power to forgive your sin. In other words, God's got the power because he's God. Simply because he's God. Jesus Christ manifest in flesh, coming to this world for my sin, to take my sin. I was dirty and rotten, and God saw me where I was in my pit, in my state of confusion, and God could have said, get away from me. Think about it if you were God. Are you kidding me? You're going to offend me like that? Slap me in my face? You're going to crucify me? You're going to hang me on a cross? And I'm going to love you? No way. Not if I'm God. Thank God I'm not God. Thank God I'm not God. Amen? And he could have just done away with me and you. Get lost. Oh, the love of God. You would come down? You would come as a baby for me? 
and you would spend 30 years of your life growing? I mean, you could have come as a 33-year-old man. You could do anything you want. Just boom, step on the scene. I'm God. Here we go. I mean, Jesus did it for me. He didn't just endure a cross. He endured 30 years of just, just being a regular person. Hey, I'm 31. I've endured 31 years, and it's not easy, right? It's not easy. He didn't just endure a cross. He went all the way, came as a baby for me and you. My God, if we can get a hold of the revelation of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me and what he's done for you, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. I can't help but praise you, God. I can't help but give you glory. Can we just clap our hands? Can we lift our hands to him? I can't help but say thank you for what you did. I can't help but say thanks, God. Uh, you've forgiven my sin. Not only forgiven me, but healed me. I got up. I started walking again. My God, thank you for what you've done. You're faithful. You're faithful, God, when I'm unfaithful. Such great faith and expectation moved these men to carry their friend all the way to Jesus. And when they got there, they just ripped that roof right off. Nothing's going to stop me. That was their attitude of expectation. When I come to where God is, I'm not going to let any of you stop me. If this place is packed up, I'm not letting you stop me get to this altar. No, I'm not going to let you stop me because I know who Jesus is. I've heard about this guy. He's working wonders. He's working miracles. But this guy got even more than what he bargained for. He got a better Christmas gift he could have ever received. Not just healed but delivered, set free, <laughs> set free, my God. And when your faith is such that no matter what, you're going to push to get to Jesus. Nothing's going to stop you from getting to Jesus. Nothing, nobody's going to hinder you. That sense of pride and that, and that arrogant spirit, you're just going to lay that down. Who cares? I don't care who's watching me. I don't care. God just paid my mortgage. God just opened my cell and I was in prison for life. And God set me free. You think I care what you think? No, I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to worship him anyhow because God's done so much for me. I can't tell it all. I can't tell it all. Amen. Luke chapter 11, and I'm wrapping up. And I say unto you, Luke 11, 9, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. What a promise from God. Jesus said it. And if you put him to the test, he's going to do it. God's not a liar. We already discussed that. That's one thing God will not do is lie. And when you put him to the test and you obey his word, he will always follow through on his word. You can take that to the bank. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? <laughs> Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Jesus is saying, how ludicrous is that? You wouldn't do any of that. Or if he shall, if he shall ask an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? My God. And a lot of times we get this passage messed up, don't we? Oh, whatever we want to ask for. Ask and it shall be given. Seek, we'll find. Yeah, if it's in line with the will of God, I believe this, this passage will apply. But this, this passage is pretty specific. At the end, Jesus says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him that ask? It's the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do is ask. You see, like the paralyzed, the paralyzed man, you might have come in with needing a miracle. You may have many different needs. We all do. We all have needs, but God can't contain his excitement this morning. He wants you to know, not only can he take care of your healing, but he can take care of your life. He can take care of your eternal life this morning. But the miracle inside, the miracle is the one that God truly wants to perform. Can I tell you, God doesn't really care about the other stuff. He doesn't care if you're, if you're walking lame your whole life. Doesn't really, I mean... The only reason why God cares about that is because you care about that. Because you want to be healed. And God, just like a father to his child, wants to do good things. That's why God wants to do it. But really, to God, it doesn't matter. Because all God really wants is for you to be with him in eternal life. That's it. Amen. And we get so mixed up. God, I need this. I need that. I need some money. I need healing. I need, yes, yes. And God will do it. No doubt about it. God healed that paralyzed man. But he jumped the gun and said, oh, I'm going to forgive you your sins because that's what I really want to do. I want you to live with me eternally forever and ever and spend your life in heaven. Spend your eternity in heaven. Amen. He wants to forgive you of every sin. I do not perform miracles for the sake of performing miracles. Jesus turned to the crowd and said, what are you guys following me for? You're just following me for the miracles. You don't really want to be my disciples. If you want to be my disciples, pick up your cross. Carry this cross with me. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and do the things that I say. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? No, I want the benefits, God. I want the healings. I want to, I want to see the miraculous, but I'm not really wanting to commit. I'm really not wanting to turn my life over. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy, ain't it? Step out by faith. <laughs> Live for God. I mean... I kind of want to just, you know, do my own thing. Nah, you can't experience both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Jesus said, you want to you be my follower? You want to see miracles? You got to pick up your cross. Pick it up and follow me. I don't perform miracles for the sake of performing miracles. I have the power to heal because I have the power to forgive sins. In other words, I am that I am. My God, I am that I am is here this morning. And because I have the power to perform a healing miracle, I'll heal your broken heart. Because I have the power to speak something into nothing. I have the power to just speak the word and life, life. A dead man is raised, but I'm not a circus act. And that's where we get confused. That's where the world just say, God is a cosmic vending machine. I'll just put a quarter in and I think I'll take this. Yep, I'll take that healing. Ah, uh, nope, because one thing I won't do is lie. 
And if you follow my precepts, line upon line, precept upon precept, if you follow my commandments and you do what I tell you, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will bless you that you can't even contain it. You won't even know what to do with it. But only if first you do what I ask. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, that's the most important word. If my people, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that this morning. Your heart is all that I want. God is saying to you this morning, I desire so badly a relationship with you, a friendship, a companionship, a union with you. Would the music come? If I have the power to heal you on the outside, don't you know I have the power to heal you and complete you on the inside? If I have the power to cleanse you on the outside, that is so simple. That's so simple. Get that stuff out of here. I'll cleanse you on the outside, but all I really want to do is cleanse you on the inside. Is my power so shallow that I can only fix your marriage? Can I not also fix your soul? Is my arm just long enough to heal your body? Is it not? Is it not long enough to also rescue you from a life of sin and bondage and addiction? Can we stand together? So what does God require of me then? What does God require? Number one, humility, as we said. And then Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm sorry to tell you, we can't just come up and pray a little pretty prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep and expect God to change us. He said, you got to seek me. You got to do some digging. And you hear people out in the world and they always ask you, well, if, if Christianity is real, if Jesus was God, why didn't he just make it real simple and plain? Because if he made it real simple and plain have to do any digging you wouldn't have to do any seeking wouldn't require anything on your part God's called you deeper and he wants to know who really loves me who really wants to follow me who really wants to step out by faith and trust me and take me at my word who really wants to do it because I'm about to weed out those who say they want to and those who really want to connect with me those who really want a relationship, who are willing to lay down every sense of pride, everything. That's nothing. God, I lay that down. What is that anyway? It's just holding me back from you. All it's doing is holding me. It's keeping me in this prison that I can't break out of, and it's my own selfish pride. Can we lift our hands to him right now? God, forgive me of my sin. Will you cleanse me? Will you wash me clean? I'm nothing, God. I'm absolutely nothing. I'm dirt. I'm dust. What am I, God? 
What qualifications do I have? Nothing, Lord. Why would you call somebody like me and nobody? Don't have a family name. Don't have a heritage. Don't have money in the bank. God, I have nothing. I am nothing. But you still call me. You still call me. Why? Oh,